everyone. Welcome to Sick in the City. We're Amanda and Mel, two sick chicks spilling the tea on chronic illness. We have a really fun sort of different episode today. It's just going to be Mel and I talking all about some new things that are going on in our lives, some things that have happened over the past couple of weeks, which have just been totally banana hammock crazy. And we're also going to be cluing you guys in on some hot goss because a lot has been going on. So just ready to dive right in. Hey, Mel, how's it going? Hi. Uh, well, um, I'm kind of in the middle of something that's a bit of a big piece of news um, that I haven't even really talked about on the podcast yet. And I realized I have uh, still a lot of people don't know because this whole thing has happened so fast that I can't keep track of who I've told and who I haven't. So now I'm just going to yeah. tell everyone publicly, drum roll, please. Um <laughs> <laughs> That we are moving out of New York City next weekend. Uh, that's, <laughs> I, it's just, I think it's happening so fast for you. It's hard to tell everyone anyway. Also, because you've probably spent majority of your time, which I know because I talk to you every day, mm-hmm. calling different places, trying to set up viewing apartments in this crazy time that we're living in. So I know that it's just been a wild ride for you. So like, how excited are you that you guys finally landed something? Oh my God. We're so excited. This whole thing, I still can't believe is actually happening like this soon. We've only been here for eight months. We moved last September. And I mean, the second we kind of realized it was a possibility that we'd be moving out of the city, I was like, so overwhelmed. Like, wait, this wasn't part of the plan. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be happy about this, but the more that we explored upstate New York, the more I just fell head over heels in love with it. And the reason we're moving is because Justin, my boyfriend got a job up in Poughkeepsie. So that's like an hour and a half commute, which is a bitch. (laughs) I would (laughs) wish it on everybody driving an hour and a half into the city and struggling to find street parking at 6 PM. It's not okay. No. I mean, there's some days where like he gets home and he's been driving for like two and a half hours because it took him an hour to find parking. Like on 420 a couple weeks ago, I didn't realize 420 was like a national freaking holiday in Harlem. Like everybody just goes crazy. And he what? what were they doing? Smoking weed like, on the street everywhere. Like legit. <laughs> nobody called me. I didn't know we were celebrating <laughs> the legal legalization. Legalization. I don't know. Maybe it was like escalated this year yeah, because I'm it's sure. recreationally legalized here. I don't know. But that day, Justin could not find parking for the life of him he had to like go to a different neighborhood to find parking and I'm like wow like I had no idea 420 was this extreme here (laughs) now I know everything everything is extreme but you're actually going from one extreme end of the spectrum being in Harlem and Manhattan and now you're going out into the sticks as we call it here in lower Westchester outside of Manhattan. Um, so how do you guys feel about that? Are you excited to just have some fresh air, have a little land backyard for the dog? Well, it's really funny that you call it the sticks because to me, if I was in Texas moving an hour outside of Dallas, it really is the middle of nowhere. (laughs) Like there's nothing around. It's not cute. Like So to me, that's like the mentality I had of like never wanting to move out of a city lifestyle because I like accessibility and convenience. And, but we visited upstate and near a city called Beacon, which is Mm -hmm. really popular and incredibly beautiful. And 
over here, I was worried like there wouldn't be food I could eat or like grocery stores that I could go to, but it's like upstate New York is like a health Mecca. Like, I don't know if it's just cause there's so many more like farms or what, but yeah, well, there's a lot of more local produce people sort of hand making things. That's why I love going up there just because you can get so much more fresh food. Yeah. Like there's huge, crazy farmer's markets every weekend. And it's not just like in the middle of nowhere farmer's market. It's like you're driving around and there's mountaintops in the background. And I mean, the first time I visited Beacon, it reminded me of when I was up in like Alaska or Colorado, Mm -hmm. like just because you're sitting there and you look down their little main street of all like the cute little old Victorian like stores and houses. And and in the background, you see freaking mountains. And I was like, Wow. And the air up there is like cleaner and just, yeah, it's gorgeous. That's the, those are actually the Appalachian mountains. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I think I knew that. Fun fact. We were having a debate of whether or not they were mountains or hills yesterday. We're like, are they just hills? No, they are mountains. I actually, cause Rob and I, that's where we usually go hiking during the fall and, and spring. We're up there like every weekend and we had an argument last summer about whether or not it was the Appalachian mountains. So that is why I know that otherwise <laughs> lived here my entire life. I have no idea what yeah. the mountains are called, but yeah, yeah. fun fact, it that's, is the Appalachian mountains. That's good to know. Now I can tell everybody, like I live near the Appalachian mountains and, <laughs> and it's still like right on the Hudson river. So like mm-hmm. everything, it reminds me of Virgin river, like those little towns up there. I'm like, I'm going to be in this little town where everybody knows each other, but there's still like within their main streets areas with all these cute shops. There's like mm-hmm. multiple gluten-free, like vegan restaurants. And there's like a natural grocer that has all the like whole foods, paleo products I could possibly want. And like huge, amazing organic farmers markets everywhere, hiking 10 minutes away, incredible hiking. Like we live across the street from a lake so we could go kayaking. Justin's like talking about getting a kayak and we found so a fun with a massive backyard, which I am lit about. I've never had a huge backyard yeah. and my dog is going to lose her mind. Like, Oh my God. She's going to be so happy. It's I'm amazing. so excited. And just to like set up a little outdoor like patio table mm-hmm. and maybe a little like chair or bench that I can like sit outside and drink my coffee and watch my dog run around in the sunshine. Like I can already just see it. This like cute little peaceful, wonderful upstate New York life where if we want to come into the city, we're only an hour away and like we're 40 minutes from you. And Mm -hmm. I'm excited. I'm like a little overwhelmed because you can't see, but there's boxes like back here. Yeah. I hate moving. I hate moving so much. When we moved into this place, I said, we're never leaving. Like yeah. this is it, um, which is not the truth because it's a lease and we are going to have to leave eventually. Um, to, but yeah, moving is horrible. And you also are having a little bit of a change in your living situation, right? When you get out to Wappinger Falls. Yes. I yeah. wasn't sure if I was going to talk about this, but here we are. Um, and I'm actually really excited and I can't believe it's happening, but my little sister, Erin, she is moving up from Texas and she's going to be our roommate for a year. And I'm just so excited because she's my best friend. She's my person. I mean, besides Justin, but it's going to be kind of like a, how I met your mother, like Ted Marshall and Lily situation (laughs) for a year, which we're really pumped about, but she's an opera singer and she wants to be closer to the city for auditions and to look for a vocal coach because she wants to end up 
in like Germany or Europe within like the next couple of years. So it's kind of a transitional time for all of us. And cause my boyfriend's starting his career over doing something different and I'm starting mine over with my own business and she's kind of starting her thing. So we're like, you know, why not just like live as inexpensively as possible and like have a little fun for a year and yeah. kind of go back to like college lifestyle of just having people around to do things with all the time. And, and Aaron's just a mini version of me. And so I'm excited to have somebody to motivate me to to work out. Like we're going to be able to work out in the backyard and like cook newer, healthy meals and have somebody else to like, you know, take out the trash. (laughs) We don't want to, it's going to be, it's going to be great. And Aaron is awesome. You guys are going to have so much fun and yeah, just keep us updated because I definitely want to hear what's going on there. And I will be there to visit as soon as you get in probably. (laughs) Yeah. We, we hopefully will have like a little dinner party or something. We want to hang string lights in the backyard and maybe get like a little fire pit. Like, I don't know. I'm just, Yeah. The options are endless. Yeah. And my, my uncle actually bought a farm that's upstate as well. So his farm's only going to be about 30, 40 minutes from us. And he's already told me like, I can have my own little organic produce, like grow my own like fruits and veggies on his land if I want. And I'm like, it's funny because I figured this is something we would end up doing eventually. Like Uh to this gorgeous place where we're close to the beach and the mountains and have land. And I just figured it would be way in the future, like yeah, not eight months after moving up to New York, but I think everything kind of happens for a reason. And I've, I've really enjoyed living in the city. This was something I've wanted to do my whole life and was a big bucket list thing for me to experience. And I've experienced New York for all of its highs and all of its lows in the past eight months. I've seen many a rat. I've you know, oh. <laughs> oh. I've, I haven't experienced a cockroach in my apartment. Thank God. So knock on wood. I've really enjoyed where I've lived. They'll probably come out to say bye. Once you're, once you're moving everything out, that's when they'll all be like, Hey, what's up? <laughs> no, don't wish that on me. God <laughs> stay away roaches. Um, but I don't know. I've, I'm happy that I've gotten to know the city because it, it's really overwhelming when you have never lived here. And after living here, it's like, Oh, I know all the subway stations right. I know how to get around. I've, I've gone to all of the yummy, like paleo friendly restaurants. I, I, I know how to do it when I want to come back yeah. and, and do it. So totally it's been really fun and I'm going to miss it, but I'm excited about this next chapter for sure. It's yeah. going to be good. I'm really excited for you guys. Thank Can't you. wait to see what happens. Oh God. So next time we record, we'll be in our new place, which oh, is wow. overwhelming to think about. I know. Yes. If yeah. we, if we record the next one, if that we'll, we'll see how things, <laughs> I don't know why I just said that. Never mind. <laughs> if we decide to like shut this thing down, y'all, I mean, stay tuned. <laughs> Guys, Amanda has had a week. Um, and I don't even know how we're going to begin to dive into all of this. I know, but I'm barely alive. I mean, and thank, but thank God you barely yeah. Like, thank God I, I am though. Yeah. There was a, it was a close call there. Yeah. So I think that can kind of lead us right into the topics, to be honest. Um, because this past weekend I got a very scary text from Amanda midday Friday. Um, that was like, I think I'm going to go to the ER. And I was like, Whoa, Whoa, what? Um, 
what do you, what's going on? And she's like, I've got pain in my abdomen mm-hmm. and I don't know what's going on, but it hasn't gone away and it might be my gallbladder. And so I was just sitting on pens and needles like all day. No, God, I know it was just, I I'm also that person. Like I don't, (laughs) I had no social norm about the situation either, because like I had told you earlier in the day that I might be going to the ER. Cause like we were supposed to FaceTime and chat with your sister. And like, I, you messaged me, you know, do you have a minute? And I was like, I actually think I'm like I was talking to Rob and we were deciding whether or not I should go to the ER and just like, not really sure. I was having a pain in my upper right abdomen the whole week before I was nauseous. I was not sure what was going on. Every single smell was making me so ill. Mm I, one of the days before I was in the car with my dad, he was taking me to do something for my new job and he was wearing cologne and I was choking on it. I was like, what is that smell? Like, do you have an air freshener? Like, what is that? He was like, it's yeah. me. And I was like, I am going to die, like, uh, like choking. And same thing, oh, like we had hydrangeas in the apartment and I always have flowers here and I had to move them into another room and then eventually throw them out because I couldn't take it. Like everything was making me sick. So obviously we thought maybe I was pregnant because oh. yeah, because like, <laughs> that's what you're usually like super nauseous. So I sent you that text. Then, then you got the text that was like, I'm going to the ER. They think it's my gallbladder update you later. (laughs) No, but you also said not just, I think it's my gallbladder. You're like, I might have to get my gallbladder. Oh, gallbladder removed. Yeah. And I was like, what is happening? (laughs) Yeah. Friendly, friendly Friday night text. Well, because what happened was, was that I, so the pain that I was having in the upper right of my abdomen started to just escalate and get a lot worse. And so I was putting off going. I wanted to finish out the work day, just me being me. I'm like, it'll be fine. Like maybe I'm just flaring, you know, mm-hmm. with chronic illness, you never know. Like I, I never want to go to urgent care of the hospital and have them be like, it's nothing. Right. Right. So I always kind of push and push and push. And then finally at seven o'clock, um, I said to Rob, let's, let's go to urgent care around the corner. Actually it was seven 15 and they were closing at eight. And I was like, we have no time now we have to go. And he's like, you've been in pain since two o'clock. We could have gone this whole span of time, but now when they're closing in 45 minutes, let's go. And so what happened was that we get into urgent care. They see me, the doctor examines me for maybe five minutes and touches that area, which usually just anatomy wise is, is gallbladder. So touches me there. It was tender. And he's the one who scared me because he was like poking around. And then he poked where my appendix was. And he was like, does that hurt? And I said, no. And he said, great. You get to keep your appendix. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, okay. And then he touched the, and he was like, okay, it's your gallbladder. And I was like, well, do I get to keep my gallbladder? And he was like, probably not. (laughs) And I was like, okay. And he was like, yeah, you know, I got mine out. I didn't want to lose mine either, but I waited two weeks then it went gangrene. So this man is like scaring me. He's like, you need to go to the emergency right now. Do you have someone to drive you? Do not pass go, do not collect $200, get in your car and go to the emergency room. So I was really scared. And so that's why you got the text message because this man is telling me that I'm going to get my gallbladder out. Yes. And the funny part now, just like looking back is that I started crying when he left the room to go print out the paper that said I had to go to the ER and he comes back and he's like, 
are you so attached to your gallbladder? And I was like, I am a clinical nutritionist and I know what that thing does. And I know that it's not something that people necessarily need, but I don't want to lose it. It spits out by, I need that thing. I don't want to lose it. Like I'm into all my organs. Yes, Yes. I am attached to all of my organs. I don't care if it's not, he's like, it's a sterile environment and it doesn't have bacteria. And I was like, I don't care. You cannot have my gallbladder. So I, I, you, I texted you and I called Rob who was outside and said, call my parents. And then Rob's family got the same text that you got, which was just basically something along the lines of we're going to the hospital, probably losing my gallbladder, like TTYL, (laughs) just like alert. We'll, we'll update later. And Rob's dad texted back. What the hell? Like on a Friday evening, like, yeah, like nobody, they didn't have a warning. At least you had like a warning text. Like they didn't even get a warning. We were just like on our way to the hospital. Rob is driving by. Um, and so, so that was that. Then we went to the hospital. They admitted me right away. They ended up putting me on an IV. They took blood. They gave me painkillers up the waz, like morphine, all different kinds of stuff. Nothing was really helping it probably because it was internal. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I just actually just felt like wacky. They did an ultrasound, they did a CT scan and all of that took the majority of the night. I mean, it was around 2 AM when we finally got any results in which they said, you're fine. It's probably stress related. You're discharged and can go home. Like everything is clear. And like, I know people wonder why we wait you know, if we're experiencing mm-hmm. pain or something that's kind of scary, people are like, why not just go to the doctor? Because it has to get to a point where it's really bad that you can yeah. go to the ER. Like right. when right. it is, you're like prepared for the worst. Right. And, and it's awful because you don't know what they're going to pump you with. Like you're, they're going to get all these meds that are going to mess you up. Who knows what's already Mm -hmm. going on. It's going to make it more complicated to figure out what's actually going on when you're medicated. And then at the end of the day, like you go home with no new information than what you right. had besides totally. a huge freaking like reality bill. Check. Yeah. And a bill. Yeah. And like- a bill and hours of your life that like, so that's the whole thing. Like it kind of became this thing where Rob really wanted me to go. And then when we were on our way, it was like, Oh sh- shoot. Like I should have listened to you. And then at two o'clock in the morning, I'm like annoyed because nothing's wrong with me. And I'm like, well, we shouldn't have gone because look at all this time we wasted. And then that was Friday night, Saturday. I felt worse. Like I was like hungover. You saw me Saturday. Like Mm -hmm. I felt worse on Saturday than I did Friday, but I was doing exactly what you said. I was like, I'm not like bent over in pain. I'm not throwing up everywhere. I'm not like, so I'm not going to go. Like, I won't go to the hospital unless I'm like about to die. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't go to the hospital when I got extremely burnt last year. I got like Mm -hmm. second degree burns from hot oil that fell on my foot and my hand to the point where like I had to be bandaged up for like six weeks and couldn't use my left hand. It was really bad. We didn't go because I was like, I I just, I don't want to have to deal with that. Like, it's just so much. And like, yeah, I'm going to be much. sitting in bed in pain, or I'm going to be sitting in a waiting room in pain. Like what, right. know, what's the alternative, but totally, but with chronic illness, it's terrifying because like something's obviously going wrong in your body. And these are the moments that remind us 
that this is very real. Like I know yeah. people that are dealing with things like you and I deal with that go to the hospital and, and something bad really does happen. I honestly wouldn't have been yeah. surprised if they had been like, you got to get your gallbladder out. Like that's why I, I, I would have lost my mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You wrote back to me and you were like, don't, don't let them tell you anything. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. And I'm <laughs> like, what am I going to say? Don't take my gallbladder. But maybe I said, I want to keep it, please, please. Can I keep it to the doctor? <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, if please. you're doing like coffee enemas and you I mean, you take such good care of your liver. My gallbladder was so clean and, and being a vegan, like I don't, you know, that was the other funny thing is that the doctor said to me in the urgent care, he's like, oh, you know, my last meal was macaroni, uh, macaroni and cheese and bacon. And um, I was like, I'm a vegan. <laughs> I don't eat that much fat in general. There is no way. And then when I went in for the ultrasound, I was already on the morphine. So I was doing the thing that makes all doctors and nurses really, really love me is that I try to read my own tests. So I was, <laughs> I was like, yes, ma'am, I was like, what is, is that my gallbladder? That, that looks clean as a whistle. I don't see anything in it. What should I be looking for? Google, Google. I was like making people crazy. And, and then I t- proceeded to then go downstairs and tell the, the physician that I, it was clean. And he was like, okay, we'll figure it out. I haven't gotten the results back. I said, no, it looked good. It looked yeah. good. I swear. <laughs> it was not my gallbladder <laughs> moving on, moving on to the I next mean, thing. Anyone with an education like you have would have done the exact same thing. I mean, if somebody was telling me that my gallbladder might have to be removed, I'd be like, there's no fucking way. Like <laughs> you're no, not taking it. <laughs> I'm like, there's no way. And like, I don't know. You know, I understand that there's a time and a place for that. Like if you really are to the point where your body is going to become toxic and and like things, worse things are going to happen if you don't get it removed. Like I understand there's a time and a place, but like yeah, from an urgent care guy, that's like, Oh, say goodbye to your GB. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like, wait, huh? Like, yeah, it was a hundred percent not okay. And scared the living daylights out of me. I was having a panic attack in the car. I was hysterical crying. Poor Rob was like, one hand on the steering wheel, one hand holding me, just like trying to calm me down. And my mom was calling me. So everybody was really calm except me, like, which is just like the mode that everybody in my family goes into when something is wrong with me. Like Rob gets stone cold Steve Austin, him and my dad get mad at me or they get like, like they just get like angry because they like are worried. So there was no crack, like nothing. He was wow. driving. And then my mom was just like, did you, you don't need your gallbladder. Like you're fine. Just call us when you get there. And I'm like, uh, 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 like hysterical. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, that was the whole thing, but I think to your, I think to your point about the wake up call, like something like that is a real smack in the face, especially for people like us who are really aware of our bodies and what's going on. Like I cannot, as a practitioner or a human being have something like that go on and not take a look at myself and my life and my health and not say things are not okay. Like things are not okay. Like you're not okay. And something needs to change because I'm either going to spend every Friday night in the hospital or I'm going to die. Like this is not, it's not working what's going on right now, which is stress, right? Like, I mean, majority of the stuff with me is stress and I take care of everybody else, but I don't take care of myself. It sucks that it has to reach a point like this for you to reevaluate what's going on. And, and I mean, you started your new job last week and just had a lot on your plate. You're planning your wedding. Yeah. And these are stressors that 
a lot of people experience and, and just don't have any control over. And sometimes we yeah. don't have control over them, but like, uh, when these things happen, it just makes you take a step back and be like, okay, how do I balance the scales a little bit? Because yeah, that's for me, especially right now with us moving, because uh-huh. when we moved to New York, I was so stressed, like to the point where I had a panic attack on the road during a yeah. storm. And so obviously like your body was going through something similar last week. And yeah. so now me, the second time we're out of us moving, I'm like, okay, in the morning, I'm going to relax and watch some yeah. TV. I'm going to take it slow. I'm going to make sure I'm checking things off my to-do list. I'm not going to schedule anything else while we're mm-hmm. moving for the next two weeks. Which is so smart. Like you're, you're really good at that. I think that mindfulness about it, just being like, okay, I'm going to need to do this and I'm going to therefore need to do this. Like that balance piece. I am like the Tasmanian devil because I kind of just like try, it's like almost kind of like I'm plugging in all these holes. And I think I told you this whole like analogy that I have of just like, I'm on a plane, the plane is crashing. I'm going around like a nut job, putting oxygen on everybody. And I'm dying because I'm not taking care of myself. Like I work with patients to get them off of medication. I look at their blood work. I try so hard to like, tell them to have self-care to meditate. And then it's a practice what you preach thing. Cause I'm then being medicated. I'm doing all this stuff just to survive so that I can help other people. And that's the intervention in my life right now. Right. It's like, I, I, this isn't working. Like I need to take care of myself. Otherwise I'm not going to be able to take care of all these people who are sick that need me. You know, yeah, exactly. And just people in your life that like want to see you getting better. Like, I mean, as much as you want to get better, like I, I know everybody else wants that for you just as much. And, and I want that for you. And, and I know that that's kind of why I was curious to hear your theories about like what exactly it is. Yeah. And I know that you've been taking a medication for the past couple of months. And I have also experienced time periods where I was on medications. And, you know, I think especially when we're dealing with chronic illness and and trying to get better to the best of our ability, there's, there's times where you just, you have to try every option. Like you Uh have to go through the checklist of like, is this going to work? Is this going to work? And and I was on a medication called low dose naltrexone for a short period of time after I moved out of mold because mm-hmm. I was dealing with a chronic inflammatory response syndrome. What did that do to you? Cause I took that for a while too. And then I had to stop taking it. Did it, did it mess up with your, mess up your sleep cycles? Like what did happen to you on that? It was very hard to keep track of. Um, honestly, it did kind of mess with my sleep. There were nights where like, I would wake up with a speedy heart rate and like feel kind of anxious throughout the day. But then when I found the right dosage and the right amount of time to take it, cause I, at first I was taking it like twice a day. And then I got to the point where it was once right. a day. And it's a very, 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 very low dose of something called naltrexone, which is used for, to help people get off of narcotics, like addict people who are addicted to narcotics. Yep. Um, so, but it's something that helps your body deal with inflammation. And for me, after five years of living in mold, my body was just chronically inflamed, no matter what I did or mm-hmm. what I ate. So it kind of allowed my body to have some reprieve from that inflammation, from those stress signals for like a period of time mm-hmm. to where I could really like detox from the molds and like, you know, have energy to go to an infrared sauna and, and sweat. And, and I did see results, but not like 
enough for it to feel worth yeah. it. Like I could tell I yeah. saw a difference in inflammation, like in my face. Um, and I did notice an improvement in energy, but it was also the period of time after I moved out of mold where I'm sure my body was right. Where you were healing anyway. Right. Yeah. Cause um, what happens with low dose naltrexone is that it actually, it blocks your opioid receptors in your brain for a short period of time. And then there's a rebound effect. I think some people can't handle that rebound. And what's interesting about that medication. And I just, I just think it's so good that you brought it up because so many people in the chronic illness community are getting prescribed this medication. Mm -hmm. I hear people all the time asking me about it and it's usually prescribed at night. And the reason why it's prescribed at night is because to sort of counteract that time where the receptors are being blocked because your opioid receptors are like your happiness, your dopamine, your addictive, like your addictive nature, like all of that is the opioid receptors, which is why people get addicted to opioids, like this happy feeling. So that period of time in which it blocks for a few hours is supposed to be at night. So then you kind of like sleeping through it, you wake up, you feel good happens to a lot of people like me when I did it is that it blocks for a couple hours, the rebound happens, and then you're up at three o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. like you're up. So I had to take it in the morning. So I don't know if you, were you taking it at night or? I think I was taking it at night. Um, and there was a period where I would take it in the morning and at night. Jesus. That's a I, lot. I, it was a trial and error kind of thing, because I, I know with everybody, yeah. like you're going to need different dosage based on your body. And like, I mean, I'm a much taller human than like Amanda, like I'm sure she would need less than (laughs) I do. And so, yeah, it's tough because especially with like clinical, like medications for things like this, it's going to be up to you to tell the doctor how you feel and for them to decide like how they want to manage it or handle it or change dosage. But I felt more Mm -hmm. aware of my body while I was taking it than I like normally was because it was like, Oh, I feel weird right now. Right. Why, why do I feel weird? Is it the LDN? Like, I don't know. Maybe why do I, I feel off weird? of it? And, but it was the times yeah. where I got off of it for a couple of days. Sometimes my doctor would be like, well, let's take a, a couple of days break and, and add it back in and see if you feel better. And it was always those days off where I started feeling like wacky and I was like, Oh, okay. Maybe I should get back mm-hmm. on it. But eventually I just got to the point where I was kind of tired of not feeling in control. Like I just was Uh like, I think I'm ready to move past this. I don't think I need it as much anymore. I don't feel like I'm flaring as often. And I remember feeling like a little bit more anxious toward the end of it. I was like, I I just can tell something's up. So I just talked to my doctor and we got off of it. We weaned off of it slowly, but I was relieved. Yeah to be honest, when I got off of it, I was like, I'm just glad I'm not going to need this forever. Cause I thought that that was going to be what it was. Yeah. It's, it's tough. I, I really struggle with medication in general. I think for me as a person, it's brought up a lot of questions. I have spent majority of my life being someone that is entirely against any type of medication for me or for my family you know, my big story, you know, was when I was 19 and I had all that stomach stuff, which I talked about on another episode and got prescribed medication and got off of it. So like, I have been living this narrative of, I don't take medication. And so over the last year or two, where I've sort of leaned in a little bit more towards medical help has been mentally and emotionally confusing for me because 
the first thing was, you know, being put on an antidepressant and I really did genuinely feel better from it. And then it kind of made me have these questions of like, why was I suffering for so long when I was probably imbalanced and actually like needed it. And then I started having this different thought of like, okay, if you need help, it's okay. Right. Like it's okay. We can't shame people for the things that they need when we're dealing with a body that it's not only energy, but there's chemical, like it, there are chemical things that go on within the, the clinical system of, of the body. The medication that I've been on for my chronic illness, I think has been the heaviest out of everything that I've gone through because it is something that I've been against for a really long time. It's a biologic, which means it suppresses the immune system. And I can't imagine a world in where I think, where I think that that's okay, but yet I was doing it anyway. And much like you said, I have been playing a game of trial and error with my doctor and it took him a very long time to prescribe it for me. Like he did not prescribe it out the gate. Him and I together have been like, let's try this path. Let's try that path because you get to a point where you just want to feel better. And so that you can function and survive. So for me, it was just like, I'm going to try this. And a lot of people were against me going on it. And knowing me as a person, people were like, well, that's not you. And I'm like, well, I haven't been me for a really long time. So if this helps me, cause I've seen it help people then great, but cut to six months later, I'm in the hospital. And then I saw my doctor and I'm like, this isn't working. And he's like, this isn't working. Like total agreement done with the medication. <laughs> like yeah. no question. Yeah. I mean, but you can't know until you know, and I, I do think it's important mm-hmm. to explore every option available, especially if you're to the point where it's hard to like get up and function every day. And I do think that medication has like a time and a place in, in regard to healing. I think that if you need it to have the energy to like figure out what the root cause is or or like, you know, to just continue your job or whatever, you know, like, I think that it's important to work with your doctor and figure out what's right. But then Mm -hmm. it's also important to recognize if it's not working and talk to your doctor about totally and totally and stay aware. Yeah, totally. And, and I feel that. And I think, you know, I I'm so into medical science and clinical science, especially with what I'm doing in school. So for me, the medication sometimes are diagnostic and that's sort of the way that my doctor and I are, are working with it. You know, he said to me, you know, he's a rheumatologist, but he's functional. And so his first go-to is never medication. So we went through a lot of stuff before we got to the medication point. And he said to me, I want you to understand that I'm doing a lot of trial and error with you, but I will never hurt you. So like, we're either in this together or like, we're not. And so I do believe I'm in it together with him. And what I mean by diagnostic, meaning that if the Humira had worked, we would have known what part of my immune system or what part of my body was causing what's been going on. If a different medication for a different part of the immune system works, then we'll know that. That doesn't mean that I, that medication has healed me or that I need to be on the medication forever. But for me, the way my brain works is that we can sometimes use medication to be able to determine not just the root, because I know the root is Lyme, but what is happening and what's causing the inflammation is not Lyme. That's the inflammatory response. If I can understand that, then I am more equipped as a practitioner to help myself. So when he was like, okay, let's try something else. I was like, okay, I know my mom was like, don't go on another medication. And I was like, I, I need to go down one more Avenue first. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I need to figure one more thing out. I have to turn one more rock over 
And if it doesn't work, then I'm back at square one again, but I, I have to do these things to try so that I know Yeah, I need to know. Absolutely. And I, I would love for you to explain that to me a little bit more. Cause you, yeah. you did kind of audio message me this week about like the difference between an autoimmune response or an auto inflammatory response, because that's one of the reasons why you're trying these different medications is to mm-hmm. figure out like where the inflammation is being targeted, like in your body. And when you flare, like what it's attacking in your cells, because for me, I experienced a situation where I was under the impression that I had Hashimoto's thyroiditis, Mm -hmm. a thyroid related autoimmune disease. But then after years and years of trial and error and detoxing and protocols, I took a $500 autoimmune panel that told Mm -hmm. me that specifically my immune system is not targeting my thyroid, but targeting my collagen. And so those kind of so fascinating. Yeah. I mean, because when you're under the impression that it's one thing for years and years and years and years, and then you find out later based on this, like one test or this one medication and all these things that, you know, you've been avoiding right. paying $500 for a freaking test, right. Um, right. that it's hard to get down to the bottom of exactly what in your body is being attacked because I would always deal with flares and symptoms that were all over my body, like mm-hmm. in my joints and in my stomach right. and in my head and so many things that it's hard to pinpoint exactly where it's coming from. And I know for you, you're very aware of your ankylosing mm-hmm. spondylitis. And that's something that you have the impression you are dealing yeah. with. Yeah. Now- An impression because we don't know, right? Like yeah. that's, that's what it is. And, and I think that it's, it's so hard because I'm always going to question. And I know there are a lot of people who don't like, I could have taken my fibromyalgia diagnosis two years ago and just been like, this is what I have. And every time I flared, I could be like, it's fibromyalgia. I am always questioning until I see hard evidence of something. And that's really hard with chronic illness because you don't necessarily get that with things like Lyme and things like mold. Like you can be like, yes, there is mold in my house. Right. How do you know necessarily, like you can find that mold. Like it's just it's just not so cut and dry and black and white. And so I have kind of had all these theories. My doctor has all these theories, but then we, I feel like we kind of get down these paths and then I'm like, okay, wait, no, this, this might not be it. And I start to question again. And so a lot of people don't know that there are two sides to our immune system. And there are sort of these classifications of diseases that go with it. So you have your adaptive immune system, which is affecting your T cells and your B cells. So when people have autoimmune diseases, sort of like the standard autoimmune, I would call them like a lupus or a rheumatoid arthritis, they will be on things called TNF blockers, which is what actually starts to control that response of the immune system. And those are kind of like your more systematic responses. So like something like rheumatoid arthritis, it affects the joints and there are other issues, but it is affecting those joints. And then you have your antigens from those diseases. So when you have a disease like that and you get blood work, it comes up in your ANA. And this is how we sort of like test for some of these different things. Your innate immune immune response is a little bit of a different response. It's an inflammatory response. And it has to do with your eosinophils, which are white blood cells and a totally different part of your body. And it's, it's kind of like if you bumped your knee into something or you got an infection, your innate immune response is your first line of defense. Those are the ones who are really just kind of getting in there when something happens automatically. People that have auto inflammatory conditions, 
instead of having their adaptive immune response sort of building over time and kind of just continuing to attack these cells, it is always firing thinking that your body is under attack. So instead of attacking a specific group of cells or collagen or whatever it is, it's just like going haywire all the time. So people that have an auto-inflammatory response, a really good example of that is like, is MCAS or MCAS, right? Is a histamine response. So people that have auto-inflammatory responses, they will see manifestations such as um, hives, um, red eyes, uh, swelling, like, which is angioedema. So like if your mouth kind of like swells up or like an eye or something like that, joint pain is also a part of that too. Like all just this whole system firing stomach issues, right? Like just things that you would maybe get from like just a standard infection. It's impossible to pinpoint it because you're not just having it in one area. There's all these, these other issues that are, that are happening. And so there are some autoimmunes that sit with one leg in adaptive and one in innate. So some examples of that are ankylosing spondylitis, which has parts of it that are adaptive and parts of it that are innate. Crohn's and UC, which are part of IBD also fit within the innate. They're more inflammatory because like, for example, somebody who has Crohn's like has a lot of other responses in the body that are not necessarily a part of the gastrointestinal system. So it's very, very fascinating because some of those, and then there are other ones like Bichette's, which is um, a disease that you get sores in your mouth. That also could be an allergic response, right? But it's, mm-hmm. but it's Bichette's. So it's all this inflammation, just all, I just think of redness. I just see like redness. I think of the canker sores I get fevers. There's a, another disease called FMF that is a Mediterranean disease where people get fevers every single month, which everyone that knows me knows that that's something that happens really often. They are difficult to pinpoint because of this, because they don't have the regular antigens, such as the other autoimmune. If you get autoimmune blood work, it's not necessarily going to come up. It probably won't come up at all. A lot of it has to do with genetic makeup that you can't really see on the blood test. So some things that can cause that kind of inflammatory response is a Lyme disease or a mold, which could cause something like SIRS, which isn't, is an auto-inflammatory response. So is histamine release. Mm -hmm. So for a long time, because my blood work has always come back showing nothing. My doctor has said to me for a long time that he believes that I have an auto-inflammatory condition because there are so many of them and the testing is not great. He could never say, okay, Amanda, this is the one that you have. So we would hypothesize, maybe it's AS, right? Because I have all of the clinical manifestations and symptoms of AS. So we'll say, okay, it's AS, but then I go on Humira and it doesn't work. And so then he turns around and says to me, okay, Amanda, well, it's not working because it's a different part of your immune system that's reacting, but we wouldn't have known that unless we tried it Mm -hmm. first. So that's the whole thing that I'm getting at. And another one I would say is psoriatic arthritis. So the reason why I bring up PSA is because the new medication that he wants to put me on treats PSA and Bichette's Mm -hmm. and it's a different part of the inflammatory and, and immune system that is fighting. So you are still having an immune response, but it's just a different kind of immune response. And people don't necessarily know this. So a lot of people that I would assume have auto-inflammatory conditions because I've never, never met somebody who knows that they have an auto-inflammatory condition. Like people know if they have 
IBD. And people know if they have, say, Bichette's, it's very, it's pretty rare, um, or FMF, but I've never talked to somebody and they're like, yes, I have an auto-inflammatory condition too. But I know a ton of people who are dealing with inflammation. I know a ton of people who have MCAS. I know a ton of people with histamine release on the regular. And a lot of these people have Lyme and, or they have biotoxin illness from mold. So my point is, is that there's this whole sector of information that's not being shared. And so I need to go down this path with this medication as ridiculous as it sounds, but I want to know that Mm -hmm. not because I need medication to control that part of my immune system, but I want to know, right. Because then I could do something about it because you know, I can turn around and say, you know what, I'm going to do an anti-inflammatory diet. Well, when I did a paleo anti-inflammatory diet, I got really sick because it wasn't right for my body. I'm not going to just like eat coconut oil and get better with the situation. Like it needs to be holistic. So it's like medication, working with my doctor, mental and emotional health to bring down the stress that of the triggers that cause inflammation. Cause it's, yeah. you know, it's food, it's environment, it's chemicals. It's my dad's cologne clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of these different things and then it's food. So like, it's kind of like, it has to be all of this stuff. And so why I went to the hospital. So I went through that whole thing. What, what I think, and what my doctor thinks is that at first I believe that it was my medication. It was not my medication, but when I told my doctor that I've only gotten a handful of good days, from my medication, he said, that's not good enough. And I was like, oh, okay, great to know. It wasn't good enough for me either, but I was just holding out hope. He explained to me that I have all these, these crazy hives and I do have this histamine release all the time. Like you guys who, anyone who follows me on Instagram knows that I just like, I will go get a massage and my lip will like blow up and like the people, the masseuse will freak out because he'll think that I'm going to like sue them because I'm having an allergic reaction. And I'm like, it's just my body. Um, I overreact to everything. And, and so what we were thinking is that that histamine release, that response that happens under my skin was happening in the intestinal lining of my gut and causing tenderness and pain that would never show up on a CT or blood work or anything. And of course, nobody's looking for it. You wouldn't have even really gone down that route if this hadn't have happened, which I think when these things happen, it's kind of like, it's like a blessing and a curse as long as things don't turn out too badly. You know, it's, it is a wake up call. Cause it's like, well, you know, hopefully next time around, it isn't worse than it was like this time around. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're able to take this information just the same way I did when I did all those gallbladder flushes and obviously Mm -hmm. it wasn't good for my health, but like, I learned a lot from that experience. I learned how to take care of my gallbladder well. And I, I learned which kind of treatment is right for me and which isn't. And yeah. So yeah, it sucks because it's really scary when you're going through it. And I had periods of time during those flushes where I was like, I don't like something really bad has happened to me. And yeah. And you knew, yeah, but you, but you trust in the doctor. And also there's a feeling with chronic illness of like, if this isn't it, then what is right? Like it feels, and that I put so much faith into the Humira and I really didn't think I was going to, because I always say, well, I'm not this, this might not be it. Like, this isn't going to be the end all, but like in my heart of hearts, like I just wanted something to make me feel better. And when it doesn't, it's like, okay, now what? 
Yeah. Okay. Like what's next? And back when I first left mold, I was under the impression that I was dealing with some kind of chronic inflammatory response um, Mm -hmm. because my doctor kind of told me I was like, I was chronically inflamed. And that that's when we started LDN. Cause she was like, well, Mm -hmm. let's see, you know, if this helps you. And I'm like, okay, but like, am I diagnosed with like something like this? And she's like, well, we can't really like diagnose it, but it seems like you have it. And I was like, okay. So I've never, you know, titled anything Mm -hmm. on my Instagram or in my business that like I've had that, but it is something that like, I believe I did deal with. And yeah, totally. it wasn't until like, I went down a whole other different path and like Mm -hmm. explored my brain and like the whole thing with DNRS Mm -hmm. and that like, it's still wild because I'm always wondering like, okay, well, if I had it and I was able to get past it, like, did I really have it? Yeah. Yeah. Did I I really have it? Or was that what it was? And did DNRS like bring me out of it? Because I, I did stop flaring as much as I did before. And that was something when we did the autoimmune panel, the $500 test is that she wanted to know if I had some kind of intestinal autoimmune Mm -hmm. response because I was always dealing with gut issues. Yeah. And so luckily through DNRS, I stopped having a lot of flares and I stopped having a lot of symptoms and it brought that inflammation down because I was able to take my body out of that fight or flight. Right. 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 So instead of continuing to like dig for, um, a diagnosis, which is something Mm -hmm. that I kind of was like texting you about. Um, yeah, I just was like, okay, cool. Like this worked. Like I'm like, okay, like I'm, I'm just going to move on. I'm going to try and learn, you know, more about why this helped me but I never really got a diagnosis. And yeah. luckily once I got that autoimmune test learned, it wasn't targeting my intestines. That's good. And it's only targeting my collagen. Right. So now moving forward in my life, if I have like a little flare, it really targets my muscles and my joints right. to the point right. where I feel really fatigued and sore. Right. And so I can tell now when I'm flaring, right. but you know, now what it is. And I it, do feel like it's helpful. Like I don't, oh, yeah. Like, like you and I talked about it and I think I was like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And it doesn't like, it doesn't matter if, you know, I have Lyme or I don't, I have AS or I don't like, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day for some reason I need that. And it's, and it's also because, because of the type of nutrition that I do, I do a lot better treating people who come to me and say, Amanda, I have cancer. Amanda, I have kidney disease. Because then I could be like, okay, like, let me put my clinical hat on and like, I got this. But like with myself, it's like, okay, I don't know exactly what I'm working with. Like I, and I need to know that just because of the person that I am. But at the end of the day, I don't know how that's going to change my treatment. Like I'm still going to do my coffee enemas. I'm still going to eat as clean as I can. Like it doesn't matter at the end of the day. And it's just a me thing. And I will address that in therapy. <laughs> oh my God. I, I, th- I definitely though. think it's more than that though, because yeah. when it, it does help to have a diagnosis, like it really yeah. does. I mean, for peace of mind, it's like, it helps you get to the next step and just know like you're on the right path. Huh? And like, I mean, luckily for me, I used to think like, oh, it was Hashimoto's, you know, like at least I had an yeah. answer at that point, even though it was and, a- it, and you know that it wasn't well, yeah, right. but then at least, you know, it's not yeah. right. Like that's the whole thing with fibro. And I know that I drive people in my life crazy because 
you and I have this conversation and anybody that's listening that has chronic illness is going to get this 100%. But when I'm talking to normal people, not, not that we're not normal, but you know what I mean? Like <laughs> when I'm talking to like my mom or my friends, like who haven't gone through this, it's very difficult for someone else to understand. Like, I mean, didn't you have fibro? Do you not have fibro? Did you need your back surgeries? Like, and I don't know, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't have the answers to that. I just, I can say, okay, no, I didn't have fibro. No, I don't have fibro. I can go all day long about my theories about it, but like, nobody said to me, no, you don't have it. Like Mm -hmm. there's no, you know, it's just, it's tough. And my doctor is the same way. Like, he's like, I know that you have auto-inflammatory. I cannot give you a name. I can't tell you which one I need to say things like AS so that I can help other people to understand in something that kind of makes sense. I need that on paperwork so that I could you know, label myself with disability so that I can get medication. Like, otherwise you can't. So you do need that diagnosis for some things. But at the end of the day, my doctor has never sat down and said to me, you know what? That's it. We got it. This is what you have. No, no, it's it's not going to happen. It's exhausting and frustrating. And, and it's, it helps for peace of mind to have a name for what you're dealing with. Cause otherwise Mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, you know, I just feel this way. And like, it is what it is. But when you are able to really categorize exactly what it is, you're able to find that path. You're able to focus on it. You're able to go down it, figure out what foods are going to help you. What kind of supplements are going to help you? What kind of medication might help you and help you get that much closer to your end goal, which is remission, you know, like to a point where you can have your flares under control. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to go down every avenue in order to check all those boxes yeah. so that you can move forward with your life. Yeah. And to help other people, right? Like, yeah. I mean, even as we're, as we're talking, my, my cheeks are getting red. Like, I, I don't know why I'm getting flushed. Why? Don't know. Because, <laughs> because for whatever reason, like my body does wacky things. So yeah, I, I think it's, it'll be a continued battle for me and it's, it's sick, but there's a part of it that I enjoy. I think at least on the medical side of like working with my doctor, having these conversations, trying out different things, learning so much, you know, with school, it's one of the questions that I was asked once on a homework was who do you go to in terms of experts in your, in your life prior to being in school and now having access to all these experts. And I, and I said, my rheumatologist (laughs) has conversations with me, like a peer and explains things to me that I now understand things that I wouldn't have understood before. And I'm really appreciative of that because those are the things that are me with the tools to help other people, you know, to understand. Yeah. I mean, by the end of all of this, you're going to be an expert on auto-inflammatory response, like issues. You know, I think that that's, what's helped me become like an expert in mold and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, getting out of, that chronic fight or flight, like we have to go through these things to learn what it takes to get to the other side of them all. And then like, I'm, I mean, as much as I hate that you had to go to the hospital this past weekend, it just means you're one step closer, you know, to to finding all the answers you need to find to really just be able to help all those people and be able to help you in the long run. And I'm, I'm just thankful that it wasn't worse and that, you came out of it on the other side and yeah. I was able to bring you vegan goodies and you, yes, you did. <laughs> yeah, it was great. And it's, yeah, it's all about refocusing and, and, you know, it, 
it reminds me of what we talked about with Phoebe last episode, right? Like you said, there wasn't a lot of information on mold. There still, you know, isn't all that much, but you wrote an ebook about it. Phoebe had to write her book on SIBO because there wasn't a lot of information. And that's kind of where I feel like I'm at with the auto-inflammatory. It's like, nobody else is going to, I can't find enough information, like to be honest. And so that's how I know that I need to become an expert to help people on it because there's just, it's not, it's not there and it, and it really, really needs to be. And so, yeah, but I, I greatly appreciate your support and your vegan goodies that you brought me. And I was able to snack on those and line my PJs all day Sunday and get to catch up on some good TV watching. Oh my God. Are we diving (laughs) into hot goss? I think we, I think we are. You've been doing so much better than I have with television because I, I'm trying, I'm like slowly behind you trying so hard to catch up. I don't know what's happened in the past two weeks. I think we like jinxed ourselves because last episode we're like there's not enough out like there's I not know. enough tv i know and then all of a sudden it once the, i mean television hits us with like six different things that i dove into i know and and honestly it's not that i haven't been watching tv because i don't want to sit here and be like oh, i'm too busy to watch tv because girl you know i'm watching tv regardless <laughs> i have been watching Real Housewives of New York from the beginning with Rob. And that has been taking a lot out of my, out of my life. And then, and then all, which is just not new news. Um, and I've also been watching Married to Medicine, which is another Bravo show. So I have just been kind of catching up on some old things. I haven't really been able to dive in as deep to some of the new stuff, but we're, there's a lot going on. So tell us what's been happening. Well, something I know we are both equally as excited mm-hmm. about was the announcement of the new How I Met Your Father show. Yes. Starring... God, I hope it's good. God, I know. Well, they're calling it a spinoff of How I Met Your Mother. So I'm really hopeful that like maybe their original creators are involved or something. I don't know. But it is starring mm-hmm. Hillary Duff, which is something I as who though. Is she like going to be the Ted? She's the yeah, the Ted. Yeah. So like Hmm. she's the one telling the story of like how I met your father. And I haven't seen her in like a lead romantic comedic role. I mean, we, Mm -hmm. we love her in Younger, which we are both watching Mm -hmm. the newest season of Younger, but Mm -hmm. I haven't seen her as that like lead light, like airy fun character. I know. And I really, I really like her. Like I do feel like she's with stood the sands of time. Like I feel like she's one of the few people that sort of came out of that Disney bubble and is still has a career and still has her brain intact. Like she seems like a very normal individual, which I, yeah. So I really like her a lot. So I'm excited. Yeah, me too. I hope it's good. I have no idea when that's coming, but we had to geek out a little bit about it because if it's going to be equally as magical or as good as the original, I am going to be obsessed, but you know, Mm -hmm. not a lot of things that come out now have that same kind of charm that they did like back then. But she's older too. So that also is because she's probably around our age, which is not old, but Ted they they were sort of in their late twenties. So I'm wondering if it's going to be more of a thirties type of show, like more of a sex in the city type of thing. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited to see where they go with that. Yeah. I love her, but younger, have you watched any of younger season seven yet? None? No. <gasps> no. How much is out? How There's much like am I behind? Five episodes. Oh my God. Jeez. Okay. Yeah. I, I know I, I've been, I've been in the housewives hole. I, <laughs> 
have not watched it. And then when I'm in the mood to watch something, I've been watching Cruel Summer or The Circle or I'm yes. trying to, Which, or Beauty and the Baker. <laughs> I mean, we can equally talk about because those are all yeah. new. And I think Younger is more fun when you can binge it anyway. I mean, any show yeah. is better when you can binge it, to be honest. We're in that, we're in that age. But um, yeah. what I will say- And it's say, a half hour. Yeah, it's easy. Right? It's yeah. a half hour. And I will say though, I'm enjoying this season way more than last season. They're actually like really? making moves that I am cool with. And something that just happened on like this episode five that came out yesterday, uh, I'm like really excited about. I think that they're kind of finally trying to take it to where they're going to end the series. And I'm liking. Where okay. But you and you and I have two different thoughts on where it should go. So that makes me feel like I don't want to watch it. It doesn't have to do with the guys much, but I mean, okay, we'll see. Okay. We'll see. Cause yeah. Okay. So anybody <sighs> who knows the show, there's Josh who is Liza's like hot, younger tattooed ex-boyfriend. And then there's Charles who's the older, like, you know, <laughs> salt and pepper dad, who was her boss at her publishing company. And there was this love triangle to whole show and Amanda really wants her to end up with Charles. And, but I mean, everyone else knows <laughs> it's gonna be Josh. It's gotta be Josh. Like, it's All right. Meant to I, be Josh. I, for some reason, when you just explained it that way, now I feel like an old like <laughs> maid. Cause you're like, yeah. So there's like this super hot tattoo guy that I like. And then there's like the old salt and pepper, like book guy that Amanda <laughs> likes. <laughs> But like and you would go for the book guy. <laughs> I would totally go for salt and pepper. Uh, yeah, I would go for the old guy. Oh my god! <laughs> Too many risks with the tattoo guy. I can't do. It. I first of all, and I can't. Uh, my ass is not schlepping down to Brooklyn. It's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> that's really the reason too Brooklyn's too far <laughs> it's way too far you oh have a long distance God. relationship with Josh oh. so yeah okay well that's good it's I will definitely catch up on that so maybe next time we can spill more tea on I'm that I'm excited to see what you think but we both are watching this new show this new freeform show called Cruel Summer and I know we were Wild. eager to talk about it because yeah they've been advertising the shit out of the show like I've seen oh my god non-stop on Hulu everywhere <laughs> and so I was like okay well I have to watch it and it's so different I feel like for other freeform shows because I'm used to them yeah. being real like like the bold type which we both watch on freeform mm -hmm. but this is the first one I was like ooh, like it looks kind of like Riverdale-y but a little dark yeah like, it's yeah it's twisty and dark and it is a it's a thriller and I don't like scary, but I like mind twist thrillers. And mm. that's really what it is. Like, it's not freaky. Like it's more of a mind game with you and it really makes you think. And I also think it's done really well in certain ways. Like, I don't know if you noticed, but okay. So first of all, it spans over, it happens in the nineties and it spans over three different years, 1993, 94, 95. And it kind of splices between those years to tell different parts of the story, which is what makes it very twisty and, and very confusing. Um, but as they go from year to year, do you notice that it gets darker? Yes. Darker in mm -hmm. the of lighting? Course. Yeah. I always super cool things like, yeah, yeah it's, it's wild in the later years where like things have gotten worse at the, the hue of the the show is like mm -hmm. almost blue. Like it's like a dark blue. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. as opposed to like the early years when she's younger and she still has like her braces and it's all bright and colorful. Yeah. And yeah. I love yeah. when they do that. So kind it's of interesting. Stuff it it yeah. makes it easier for you to understand. Like I know that there's shows that well, yeah. stuff like that, but I mean, they switch from year to year really quickly. And if these girls didn't mm-hmm. have like different haircuts and if it wasn't a different shade, yeah. it'd be hard to tell, but that's something I am enjoying too. Cause it is very much like a mystery and mm-hmm. like a whodunit almost kind of thing, but yeah. with teenage girls in the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very, very whodunit. And I just laugh because before we got on here, we were chatting and I, I'm having a hard time watching it one episode at a time. And as we talked about, I think in our first episode, I am the spoiler as Rob calls me and not that I spoil for other people, but like, I want to read ahead. Like I just, I already want to know, like I've watched two episodes. Tell me who did it. I want to know. I can't, I'm in agony (laughs) and I can't look anything up because nothing else has come out yet. So I'm reading theories. I'm deep in this whole like Mm. interviews with people on the cast. Like I am (laughs) in like Flynn on this show. Oh my God. And, and that's how you know that it's hooked to me because I want to know, like it's actually, and it pits the two girls up against each other. And it plays a lot of games with you to make you kind of feel like, you're starting like, oh, well, maybe this person's telling the truth. And then it's like, whoop, no, maybe it's this for it's yeah, it's a, it's a ride. Yeah. I'm really intrigued to see where they're going to go with it. But what I was going to say about it is that I'm, I'm like a little worried they're going to go down the pretty little liars route or like the gossip mm. girl route of like taking way too long yeah. to really reveal the punchline. Yeah. I, I hope they don't. Cause those are the kind of shows that just drag on for too long and they, yeah. You got to give us something and I'm, I'm sure they will, yeah. but um, I don't know. I, it, I don't know. it's Did you, did you ever watch revenge? No. Okay. So that's another show that reminds me of it. And when you said to me, it reminds me of something. That's what I was thinking of because it's kind of like one of those shows that should just be a season yeah. kind of like the, um, big little lies Mm. on HBO or the undoing where it's like just beginning to end, tell the story, get us to the end, because I don't think the shows do well when they continue on. Like, it's just like, I just want to know the story and then move on. And revenge was very much like that. Like it was very like thriller. You couldn't figure things out. And then as it went on, like people started coming back to life and you were just like, uh, like what? happened like like lost like where it's like yeah you gotta give give away the the punchline of the whole thing like yeah like eventually tell us yeah Mm -hmm. like eventually because like I'm not going to be interested in like the storylines of these people like I really just want to know what happened to be honest yeah yeah like oh but I'm excited to have a new show like this but hopefully we won't get tired of like the week to week because it is hard to watch shows like this and I know we were kind of dealing with that with Riverdale before they went on their extremely long hiatus which is fine but which is ridiculous (laughs) yeah they'll be lucky if I watch them again in July we'll see (laughs) yeah how dare they wait Riverdale make us wait this long Uh, now they'll have to wait for me to watch them But luckily, <laughs> luckily Netflix hit us with a fun show that they gave us a whole yeah. season of that is super light and airy and fun <laughs> called Baker and the Beauty, which I yes. started watching because I was just bored and had nothing to watch. But it's I think it's number one or it was number one on Netflix for like a little while, which I was like, that's great. Like, OK, well, it must be good. And 
it looked really cheesy from the commercials, but I was like, I'll give it a try. And it is very sitcom-y, but it has like a lot of fun elements to it that you really get to know this family. And it's about this like nobody baker dude who lives in Miami and works in his family's bakery. And then he meets this celebrity girl who's like basically Uh like a Kardashian type of, you know, like Uh celebrity status. And they kind of start dating and it's like, two different worlds colliding and but it was fun and it has a lot of like warm-hearted fuzzy moments and and there's actually an episode that kind of like made me tear up and the daughter kind of deals with like her sexuality and like coming out to her parents and like there's just a whole bunch of really fun little storylines that reminded me of a lot of shows I feel like I used to watch and it's not necessarily the best thing that's ever happened and unfortunately it did get canceled it was originally an ABC show but yeah extra hot goss some steamy goss the main character actually called out ABC she thinks that it got canceled because like the whole cast is super like diverse like a lot of them Hmm. are like Hispanic and like they a lot of different people are in the show and not a lot of white people and so she's like i think abc like shut us down because they're tone deaf yikes which okay. sucks which yeah sucks, that does but suck i, but I don't know. netflix you don't know i mean here i stopped watching after episode three. Oh no i'm not okay. gonna go i'm not gonna go back oh I my god <laughs> you hate it i hate it did you make it to the scene where like they're having yes, sex? I was and, like, waiting for the, the sex interlude that you oh told me God. about them I, like having sex and like also somebody like him like making I don't know like pastries, pastries puffs it, or like, it was, like toaster bakes. Sexy montage of them. It like- was the least sexy, sexy <laughs> montage I've ever seen in my life. I don't know what you're talking. I tried so hard for this for you, and I tried, and I I can't do it i applaud what they're doing what is the, I, what bothers you about it everyone on the show you just don't like the people i don't like the guy like if the guy if i can't like get excited about the guy and it's just too corny for me like okay. i which is a lot coming from me because you got you know me and hallmark and like i watch cheesy stuff all the time i'm, re- I'm really surprised it's like, i know the acting's decent enough to where it's not like it, I know. It like I watched you. where the heart is like on Hallmark. Like I literally, I, I know, but there's something about it, which I think I told you reminds me of Jane, the Virgin. And it's not an ethnic thing in any way, shape or form. It's, it's more of the, like the acting that like something like bugs me about it. Could it. Be, it could be the script, like the writing, you know, yeah, and, and like, like the way that it's yeah. edited maybe. Cause it, yeah, there's a certain way that certain like sitcoms and stuff, especially on TV. Right. Filmed. Um, right. Like there's something about it that like irks me and I don't know, like, I, I don't know. And I like a lot of really bad TV. There's something that's bothering me. I can't, I can't do it. I can't well, do it. A- that's okay. You know, I know. I is it about like two or three days? Cause it was some of those days I didn't have anything to do. I'm fine with it. We don't have to watch the same shows always. Okay. No, <laughs> I wanted to like it. I can't do it. I just don't, I don't, I'm not attracted to him. Are you? No, no, no. Okay. I, mean, I, I just don't think like, he's cute. I, I, I think he's cute enough. Like I can yeah. see how people were into it, but he is so not 
my type. Like I, yeah, you know, I like, them, <laughs> I like them bearded and like, with yeah, tattoos. well, that's the same thing. Like I like someone to look a little homeless and he does not look, he looks like he has a home. So I'm not into it. <laughs> we really go for the homeless types. <laughs> I always tell Rob he's like thanks oh my god that's great I mean hey yeah we we have the mountain men type of yeah exactly I want to yeah that's fine fine. give him a home like it's okay (laughs) um yeah (laughs) anyway so and the other show that you told me to watch which came out with the second season was the circle Mm -hmm. and I am watching that I am having fun with it. Like I like when Rob comes in and watches that with me because he's just like, what's going on? And we're like laughing about it. But I think growing up in Westchester, New York, like the Italian guy grates my like gears. Like I want to rip my ears off and throw them in. And Rob thinks he's hilarious. And I'm like, I can't like, I can't. How far are you? two I watched two episodes <laughs> okay because it's because Joey becomes like one of my faves like really his totally... voice doesn't bother you I don't doesn't remember that it bothered me but I do he's remember yelling little, sure like he was definitely yeah. a little I but I don't know I mean but he's charming yeah. and sweet and and he definitely has his moments but I remember <laughs> that this first season came out the first month of quarantine last year so it yeah. kind of holds a special place in my heart because it was like I did not one of the think- first yeah. I did not think it was going to be good. I was like, why would I watch that? That's so stupid. And then my friend Kara told me about it and she was like, no, it's so good. And I was like, you're kidding. And then Justin just turned it on one night. And then I was in the kitchen, like cooking, looking over my shoulder, like what's happening. You know, like I yeah. just kind of got sucked in. Cause I was like, okay, I'm confused. And when you texted me, you're like, what's it even about? And I, Justin was like, don't tell her, don't tell her. Like that's just let her fun. watch it. Well, well they're just like, out. Hey circle. Hey circle text you looking hot wink face send and I'm like that was perfect because no, that yeah my favorite part about it is like picturing the guy on the other side of the microphone that's like actually texting out what they say yeah you like know? what's you, going on because you know that it's like yeah. winky face fire face rainbow heart send. yeah like yeah and then like Joey's like <laughs> Joey's like all right I got a good one okay hey circle Tella, she looks fire. Put a put a put a flame. Send. Oh, she's gonna like that. And I'm like, I can't listen. And then like the guy, there's a there's um a guy named like Shaum or something, and he's like, yeah, Shaboob, that's my boy. And I'm like, stop yelling, <laughs> Shuby. Yeah, Shuby. Rob and I call him Shaboobs. <laughs> Shuby's great too. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, really, but that's, it's too much. I, I, okay. It takes a couple of episodes. I think it took me to like episode three or four when I started like getting to know the characters. Cause the same thing happened in season two where I was like, oh, can I do this again? And we got into it like two or three episodes in. I was, it just sucks you in. Cause they start throwing all these weird curveballs in and like these surprises and they do all these fun things. And you're like, what is that happening? And I don't know yeah. how they suck you in, but you just fall for it. And <laughs> I mean, season two, we have binged the heck out of, and they always 
end on a cliffhanger at the end of every episode mm-hmm. because when somebody gets like voted off, they get mm-hmm. to go meet somebody. Yeah. In that's cool. person. And so there might be somebody who's like a catfish and then they go and you're like, who are they going to meet? Or, or like, who's going to get blocked? Like you always want to know. So then you just keep watching the same episodes and, or keep watching episodes and season two, it's fun because I think it it's gotten so much popularity that now that they, they have kind of like some low key celebrities on it that have mm. some fame, like small spoiler but someone who's like kind of related to in sync is in season two yeah so- lance bass is on it they that's okay. not a secret right it's i, no, don't, it's know, I don't know i think it's in the preview okay okay but then um, chloe from too hot to handle which is another great netflix reality show is in it and she's <laughs> hilarious and they put in a bunch of new twists in season two so they even like make it more interesting but I, okay, I just fine. really enjoy it. I okay. really enjoy it. It's I'm just fun. drinking parade today. So I will, <laughs> I will, I will keep watching that one. I'm not going to, but I need to watch it like with Rob so that I can give commentary and oh, like totally. laugh with him. I no, can't watch it alone. It's definitely like a group show. Like it's, yeah. it's fun to watch with people. And totally. I mean, I, like, I know we're piling a lot of shows onto you guys, but I also started the shadow and bone show on Netflix, which I've only gotten two episodes into, but I am absolutely enjoying it. I'm very intrigued. It's kind of like very fantasy, like introducing you to this whole new world where you kind of have to watch it with subtitles because there's so many weird names and like, yeah, like like game of Thrones type of such. I know I have to watch that with Rob. I think by the next time we record, I will have watched that. We'll have when I get him off of Housewives. Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) Two two weeks from now when we record again and you've watched all of Housewives and I've moved an hour outside of the city. We only convene about the shows that we've watched, but totally a lot of good stuff. I'm so excited kind of going into like these summer months. It's there's going to be some good TV and I'm pumped. And I think that's all we have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening. And I'm so glad Amanda is here and healthy and recording. And she made it through that crazy weekend. And if you guys haven't already, give us a subscribe on Apple Music, leave us a rating or review, and we will talk to you next time. Stay healthy. Stay healthy.